Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Chen. Welcome back to another episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Sui Ting Ao and Dr. Fang Wang from the Department of Dermatology at the first affiliated hospital at Zongshan Dashu or Sun Yat-sen University in Guangzhou, China. They are the lead and senior authors on a recently accepted publication to the JAD, which is already available online, titled Inhibition of Tumor Necrosis Factor Improves Conventional Steroid Therapy for Stevens-Johnson Syndrome slash Toxic Epidermal Necrolysis in a Cohort of Patients. That is accessible online now. So if you haven't seen it already, first of all, I encourage you to go take a look, but I'm excited to chat with our authors today to go for a deeper dive. So first of all, welcome to Dialogues. Thank you, Dr. Chen. It's very nice to join this interview and uh, maybe introduce some of our work. Yes, absolutely. And welcome Dr. Ao as well. All right. Well, let me just start for those who haven't read the paper yet, just very briefly, let me explain what I understand. And then I'm going to have our authors kind of fill in all the major findings. So in brief, in the paper, the authors described how they randomized 25 patients who are diagnosed with Stevens-Johnson TEN at their institution to receive one of two therapies, either systemic steroids alone or steroids plus etanercept. And then during that process, they also measured cytokine levels during uh, what was termed the acute and the resolution phases of the disease. And those are compared with 24 healthy controls. First of all, did I get that right? Was that correct? Okay, good. Yes, absolutely. So if it's okay, I'm going to turn things over to you. Doctors Ao and Wang, could you take us through the major findings in your study? Sure, let me start. Okay, so as we know that Stevens-Johnson syndrome or toxic epidermal necrolysis is a life-threatening cutaneous reactions that are caused by, mostly caused by the culprit drugs, right? So in our clinic work, we saw we saw a lot of uh, several uh, these kind of patients. And for, for quite a long time, the debating thing is whether systemic steroids can have efficacy and limited uh, adverse effects to cure those patients. So that's our start. Like since teen F alpha blockies are gradually used in clinic to treat such patients, our question is whether the additional teen F alpha inhibitors to the uh, corticosteroids can benefit these patients more. Yeah. Is there anything, Dr. Ao, you want to add? Well, in our article, we dived the patient into two groups. Uh, one group is treated with uh, steroid mon- monotherapy, and the other group combined in tenacept with steroid. We, uh, we, as a result, we conclude in the article that the combination group appears to improve outcomes for SJSTN. Uh, besides that, we have also found that IL-6 and IL-15 might be a perf- potential biomarker in SJSTN. For quite a long time, we are wondering whether there is any biomarkers for this life-threatening disease. Since it's like a cytokine storm disease, we speculate like maybe some like type 1 cytokines or like toxic cytokines can uh, quite maybe the biomarker for this disease. Luckily, we found that unlike uh, previous findings like the L15 
is a biomarker we also found like L6 might be an additional biomarker for this disease, particularly in the combination therapy group. Yeah, that's right. fascinating. I, I was I was thrilled to see some of the new biomarker findings. But before we get to the cytokine data, I'd love mm-hmm. to talk a little bit more about the clinical outcomes that Dr. Al was mentioning. You know, you mentioned that we found, or I shouldn't say we, I was not part of this group, you found that there are these improvements in clinical outcomes for those that were treated with combination steroid with andetanercept. Could you go a little bit deeper into that? What exactly were the clinical findings or how did you define improvement in outcome? Because I know there are things like shorter time to skin re-epithelialization, but I'm curious, how else did you kind of define or what else did you find that convinced you that this group seemed to do better clinically? Yeah, it's like we have a group of comparison, like they're like one group, they re- just received the monotherapy of steroids and the other one, they received the steroids combined with TNF-alpha blockies. And uh, the obvious thing is that we noticed the hospitalization stay and the acute stage of the disease can be shortened. And particularly for the skin re time. And the dream thing is that we cannot observe the shortened time of the mucosal reapilization. So we are wondering whether it is caused by the steroids where like the additional therapy cannot benefit the uh, mucosal reapilization, right? Right. You know, I think that's interesting. Clinically, I do take care of quite a few Stevens-Johnson patients and it's so hard to predict how long someone's going to be in the hospital for. But one thing that I've always noticed and seem to really take home with me is that a lot of the long-term sequelae come from the mucosal involvement, come from the scarring that comes from the mucosa. It's a shame that you didn't see any change in the mucosal reepithelialization. but do you have anything to hint at whether the combination therapy might be helpful in the long-term, even after people are out of the hospital? Is there any data to demonstrate that maybe they do better? I think that in our team's last published article, I think the additional uh, markers to predict to predict this disease is the IL eighteen IL eighteen. Yeah, it can. Uh, in our research note, we have found that some potential biomark market in IL eighteen, but uh, we didn't have the certification proof, and we should have some further research for it. I think your question is about the long-term complication for this right. disease, right? Whether right. the additional TNF-alpha inhibitor can benefit this, uh, this any, I mean, like the symptoms or anything else. So from our experience, it's like uh, since the uh, hospitalization stay has been shortened and the acute stage or the initial steroid dosage can be reduced, there is no obvious like the long-term complication for this disease. I'm not sure whether it is, but this phenomenon is also observed in the monotherapy group. I'm not sure whether it, it is caused by the additional medication or it is caused by you know the nurse work, because we usually pay very special attention to these patients for their mucosal protection. So from our experience, it's unlike the previous published work, like there is a very high incidence rate of like the blend uh, blended or the mucosal complication. We really observe the, such complications in our 
patients. Yeah, my doubt is not about the. Of course, maybe the shortened clinical courses can benefit us. But one of my other hypotheses is that maybe the nurse work can also do some good to this to avoid the long-term complications. Absolutely,、yeah. I think. I think one thing that I took away from this article、mm-hmm. is that. Your center is great at taking care of Stevens Johnson TEN patients because it looks like everyone did well, like regardless of monotherapy or combination therapy in your study. One question I did also want to ask too is, I'm curious. I think when I see a Stevens Johnson TEN patient in my institution, my initial inclination is actually not to reach for steroid monotherapy. It's to reach for something like either anti TNFs alone or cyclosporin. Or if I use steroids, I'm using it in combination with IVIG, based on a paper that came out in the JID a few years ago. And so I'm curious, in your institution's practice, is steroid monotherapy something that was typical before? What did you used to do for SJS before this study? Yeah, that's a very good question. So as we know that this for this life-threatening disease, there is no like the random. Blended clinical trial to verify which medication is the best for those patients because it's it's so severe we cannot take them to the clinical trial.、Right. Uh, that's the ethical debating issue. So previously we used to using the systemic corticosteroids. As you said, we may add some IVIG to the, these patients. We rarely use cyclosporine for this disease because、mm-hmm. we. Think the corticosteroids、uh, can have very fast effect to to enter the inflammation status, right? Yeah, that's our traditional therapy. But our clinical experience tell us that the benefit is limited in the、um, steroids monotherapy. So that's why we add we also add the TNF alpha inhibitors to those patients, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it's always a hard part about literature in this area because there is no gold standard for therapy, and so for that reason, you always wonder about how you're going to build a control group. And it makes sense that in your experience at your institution, steroid monotherapy was kind of the gold standard or was the institutional preference before, which makes sense why you would add a tanercept to that. Thank you, thank you for explaining. I'm curious too for anti-TNF choice, you know. Most of the literature that I've seen for Stevens Johnson TEN and looking at new therapies really uses a tanercept as the main anti-TNF、uh, kind of molecule. Why? And I'm curious about for this study, or just if you have thoughts in general for SJS TEN care. Why do we use a tanercept instead of something that's perhaps newer than that, like adalimumab and fluximab, golimumab, one of the other anti-TNFs? That might be out there, and perhaps has been shown to be more efficacious in other skin diseases. What's the reason for reaching for a tanercept here? That's also an excellent point. So, why we use this tanercept instead of other TNF alpha inhibitors? I think that might be related to the mechanism of the medication. Like we know that TNF alpha, it has like the soluble pattern. And the other one may be combined to its receptors, and、uh, it has two receptors: TNF alpha receptor one and TNF alpha receptor two. Right? Some of the inhibitors they just、uh, neutralize the soluble TNF alpha instead of the combined pattern. Right? Like etanercept, we thought maybe we can use this 
neutralized antibody instead, just neutralize the soluble TNF alpha instead of blocking them all. You know, if this TNF alpha inhibitor, they combine everything, every TNF alpha, it may cause other uh, symptoms or other disease, like, you know, like the lupus or some other side effects, right? We just want to just uh, combine or just neutralize the soluble one instead of others, right? I don't know if I explained it correctly. And for the other point, we did not use the cyclosporine to treat those patients because we thought it might be, it's not only about the T-cell mechanism, you know, mm-hmm. like the C- CSA, its target is usually the, the T-cell instead of all the other the immune cells. For SGST and NK cells also play a part in the mechanism. That's why we usually use corticosteroids instead of like the very limited anti-inflammation effect medication like CSA. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, I think to wrap up the kind of the clinical side of things, what you've really demonstrated in your article is the combination therapy seemed to decrease time to skin re-epithelialization. It seemed to decrease hospital stay, as well as decrease the amount of time in the acute phase of the disease. I'd love to move on to the biomarker part. And maybe Dr. Ao, if you don't mind helping us flesh out a little bit, uh, the findings that you had in regards specifically to IL-15 and IL-6, because those were kind of the two big findings in your paper. Do you mind recapping for us what the findings were? I also think that the IL-18 is also a potential biomarker in the Steven Johnson syndrome, and the genia kinase is also a potential role in this disease. Got it. Yeah. So it sounds like you also think IL-18 and Janus kinase are important factors with this disease as well. I'm curious with IL-6 and IL-15, I was just curious. So the IL-15 and the IL-6, I want to make sure I don't get it wrong, but I believe IL-15 was linked with time to re-epithelialization, which has been demonstrated previously. And then IL-6 levels were associated with time to a resolution of the acute phase. Is that correct? Or did I get that wrong? Yeah, it's correct. Great. So I guess my main question is, how do you see the use of these biomarkers in clinical care? Like, how could we potentially tap the checking of an IL-6 level or an IL-15 level when we're actually taking care of these patients in the hospital? I wonder if you as a team do this now, or if it's something that's just kind of more research focused that we should think about in the future. I think that the RSA is related to the TNF alpha, and in the few, I think in the future, uh, the TNF RSA blockage may be effective in the treatment. Right. I, I saw in the paper you had a line. Actually, that was one of the first things I thought of when I saw your IL-6 data, and I was so happy to see it in the paper, is the question of future therapy and maybe using something like tocilizumab to block IL-6 in the treatment of Stevens-Johnson. I'm curious, though, do you check your IL-6 levels? Do you check your IL-15 levels in regular clinical care to help inform or prognosticate for your patients? Yes. So it's not like a routine test before our paper. Now we notice that we are aware of this phenomena. And now in our patients with SGSTN, if we want to use the corticosteroids or add the additional TNF-alpha inhibitors, we will add those L6 as the biomarker to predict the, like the clinical course or whether this steroid dosage is enough. Like 
we will dynamically test the L6 concentration before we use the, uh, the medication and after and following the medications, you know, if the concentration of L6 decreased rapidly, we can predict like the clinical course of this patient, maybe not very, very long, it can be reduced, right? And this is for the L6 phenomena. And for the L15, right now in our hospital, we cannot test this L15 in our clinical practice. But for the, you know, for the research, we can buy an ELISA kit or something like this, and we can test it. So now I can say the commercial one, maybe the L6, but I'm pretty sure maybe in the very near future, maybe we can generate uh, something like the some tested kit to combine the L6 and L15, even L18, to predict the courses of this disease. That's our, like, the next step. Great. I mean, I think that, that that makes sense to start thinking about how you translate this to the bedside. I'm curious, the IL-6, other than prognostication, does IL-6 level help you in deciding on therapy? Does it help you on deciding that, yes, this person needs a Tanercept? Or is it that now everyone gets steroid and a Tanercept in your institution? I'm curious how things have changed in your clinical practice now that you have this experience and these data. Yeah, that's a very good question. We think about this for a long time, like the L6 is not a very specific biomarker mm-hmm. for SGSTN, right? Because for COVID-19, most of those patients have very high concentration of L6. So since it is not very specific, if we have patients with SGSTN, we will test it. But if it's high and it's not that very specific, indication to use the TNF-alpha inhibitor. And we also think about, we also observe their clinical manifestations. And we also, we will see whether these patients can, you know, it's about like some economic status or we have to talk about this to these patients, whether you want to use the TNF-alpha inhibitor. It's not an indication for the TNF-alpha inhibitor is not an indication for SGSTN, right? Yeah, we have to obtain the agreement from the patients. So that's the first step. But once we tested this level of L6, we will use it as a biomarker to predict the clinical course instead of like, it's not an absolute indicator to use TNF-alpha inhibitor, you know? Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, absolutely. And I know our time is starting to run low. So I wanted to ask a couple more questions. The one that I wanted to get to is one that we often talk about in the SJST and literature. You know, I think early on, a lot of the data for SJSTN came from European cohorts. And only recently, American cohorts of American dermatology hospitalists have started to combine data in order to get some larger samples or just a larger study population to get some meaningful data. You have published this pretty thought-provoking idea about looking at cytokines and the addition of a tannercept to steroid monotherapy, albeit it's in a Chinese population. And we know that the Chinese population has different genetic polymorphisms, myself included, who that might change your predilection for developing SJSTN to certain culprit drugs. 
But that said, I don't know if there's any indication that that would change how you respond to therapy. And so I'm curious of your take. How do you feel about the generalizability of these data to SJSTEN worldwide? Do you feel like this is something that's more specific to your local population, or is this something that we should really be thinking about on a global level? Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, like for this disease, we really test like a gene, like HLA B fifteen O two or something else to predict whether this patient may have SGST, and it has some specific gene for like different races, right? But for this cytokine storm phenomena, I I could say maybe there is no difference across different races. Yeah. No matter is like the Africans or Americans or like Chinese, I'm sure it's like the cytokine storm, like COVID-19, it caused no, maybe now we cannot see any difference across these races, but maybe in the future, if we can test like whether the HLA, like the, the HLA gene may be related to the specific cytokine phenomena, that's the future. That's one of our future plans. I'm pretty sure about this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, also for the prediction saying, we also, because, you know, in our paper, we just tested the correlation between the levels of the cytokines and the hospitalization stay or the clinical courses. We did not detect the decreased speed or something like that. So we're also wondering whether it's about the decreased speed it's not about the initial level, but about the decreased speed, which may affect the clinical process. Great. Wonderful. Well, you know, I think just to wrap up, congratulations on publishing this paper. I would love to commend your team on tackling a subject that's really hard to do research in because of the things we've talked about, how sick these patients are, how rare this diagnosis is. I mean, you can tell from your paper, it took years to collect 25, to have 25 subjects, 25 patients to treat in order to get this meaningful data. So first of all, congratulations on publishing this and on helping us move the field forward, especially for those of us who take care of these sick patients in the hospital. You kind of touched on this already, you know, 25 patients isn't a lot. It's helpful for hypothesis generation, and it's really helpful in terms of perhaps changing some clinical practices on an institutional level, and hopefully it'll impact other dermatology hospitalists elsewhere. You already kind of touched on this. What do you see as the future, either your future or the future of Stevens-Johnson TEN? Where should the research go? Yeah, that's a very good point because we are quite interested in the next step and next research we will go. Yeah. Dr. Ao, do you want to introduce some of your project now? I'm, I want to share my project that I would further to find the mechanism of the DNFR intact blockage on the SJST and, and to prove the mechanism of this just uh, to how to treat the patient and why it is affected in the cell or the patient. Yeah, it's like now. We know that the cytokine storm plays a very important part in the mechanism of this disease. Next step, we'll move to whether the cytokine storm may have any effect on the effector cells, like the CD8 positive cells. We know that the CD8 positive cells plays a key role in this disease. And maybe it's also about the NK cells or the NKT cells. 
And next, we will do, we will see whether the cytokine has any effects uh, to this CD8 T cells, whether it's about the priming or it's about the, you know, the toxic inflammation factor releasing or anything else. Like we will move from the cytokine to the effector cells. It's the next research uh, step. For the population, yes, it's um, it's kind of difficult because this disease is not very common. The population is small. We have to, you know, communicate with the hospital in all of this China mainland. Maybe even next, maybe with the, like the American doctors or you know the hospital, we can. Uh, collect the samples and we can carry out some uh, international clinical trial to verify the new medications or like the TNF-alpha inhibitor to the effect on this disease. Yeah, that's our two steps, the clinical aspects and the research aspects. Well, you know, if anything, what I've learned is that there is still so much to do for Stevens Johnson TEN, so much to learn, so much we don't know about this at times devastating, so much we don't know about this devastating disease. And all I can say is I'm so happy that your team is on it and working on this for the future, because it's obviously information that all of us dermatologists who take care of these patients really need and will help us take care of our patients even better into the future. With that, I wanted to thank Drs. Ao and Dr. Wong for joining me today on Dialogues in Dermatology, chatting about their paper that, again, you can find online now in the JAD. But thank you again for joining me. Thank you for the JAD editor and for you to spend time with us. And uh, we are very excited to join this and we are also looking forward to more clinical trial and research work in this field yeah i'm really honored to be here to join this communication thanks wonderful thank you we hope you have enjoyed this edition of dialogues in dermatology this is todd schlesinger your editor-in-chief for more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.